Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Delicious Yellow podcast with me, Matthew Mills, and my wife and business partner, Ella Mills. Hi, guys. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for your feedback on the first episode. It's so nice to be back doing the podcast. And I have to say, I have always loved doing it. I actually feel like it's one of the biggest privileges that I have in my job at Delicious Yellow, getting to speak to so many brilliant people. But I really do like having my co-host back. It makes it a lot more fun, especially doing it whilst we're at home. Doing it together is really, really, really nice. And I'm very pleased to hear that you guys are happy with that as well. Thank you so much for everyone who emailed in ideas for podcast episodes and questions as well. Please always get in touch with us, podcast at deliciousiella.com. And I've got a first question for Matt today, which really taps into what we're going to be talking about on the episode itself, actually, which is how are you coping with lockdown week to week? Any highs, any lows? Well, it's still really busy with work, which I think is incredibly helpful. I think if work was really quiet, then I'm not a good person at sitting around twiddling my thumbs. So the fact that we're still busy, I'm basically just sat at my desk all day working on Zoom calls or or Teams calls. So that's basically my, my day every day. And then on the weekends, just trying to soak up as much time with the girls as I possibly can. Any highlights so far? I think there's a pretty simple answer to that, which is just the amount of time I'm getting with our little girls. I never expected to be able to have this amount of time with them. And I really feel incredibly grateful to have it. Yeah, absolutely. My high has definitely been more time to cook. That's one thing I'm absolutely loving. Just being able to have a bit more time to experiment. Absolutely loving cooking with tofu at the moment. Like a fried teriyaki tofu is currently my number one. So that's been absolutely brilliant. And on that, people are asking favorite go-to snacks and quick dinners. I think lots of people are struggling with ideas when working from home. That was a question that was coming in quite thick and fast. We do make a lot of very, very simple things like veggie fried rice and easy pastas and stir fries and one tray bakes. So we'll chop up all the kind of root veggies and potatoes we've got in the fridge and then pop a tin of chickpeas, roast that all till it's nice and crunchy and crispy, add some greens, toss it with pesto, yogurt, and a bit of lemon juice for an easy tray bake or very finely chopped loads of veggies like red onion and garlic with broccoli, corn, peas, carrots and fry those up with sesame oil and tamari or soy sauce, some rice vinegar, some chili, some ginger and do that with jasmine rice for a fried rice. Those are the sorts of things we do. There are so many recipes on our app. There are over 600 recipes. We've just done a special working from home section for those sorts of kind of easy ideas that you're looking for. In terms of snacks, it's got to be delicious yellow snacks. So I'm, I love having one of our oat bars in the morning. I have one of those basically every day. And then in the afternoon, it typically depends how the day's going. But uh, I love our, our dipped almonds that we just launched last year. And I'm a massive fan of our cups as well. So I eat a lot of those. I feel like Matt just rediscovered how obsessed he is with the chocolate cups. And he came running down the stairs yesterday being like, have you had the cups today? <laughs> they are so good. And then we ran out. So I had to make an essential trip out to the supermarket to come pick us up some more of our own snacks. One other question we were getting, um, which we will be talking about a bit more actually in next week's episode, which is whether or not we'll be raising our daughters with a plant-based diet. At home, we cook everything plant-based, the kind of recipes that we were just talking about. And as a family, we absolutely love that. We love sitting down for dinner together. We actually tend to eat kind of 5, 5.30 so that we can eat with Sky as well. So we all eat the same thing. And, and that's what I cook for us at home and try and get a really big variety of different minerals and nutrients and flavors into all of our diets. But 
I've always said this, I think diet's a very individual choice and the girls are completely welcome to be whoever they want to be, whatever that entails as they grow up and will be there to help them learn to love to cook and help them learn to love fruit and veg. But they are their own people and I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that. And the last two questions this week was, do you have any plans to add more items to your supermarket range? We do indeed. So we've got a new launch coming in at the end of February, which we're super excited about. And then we're launching into a new category later in the year. So we've actually, Ella was just talking about evening meals and what we're doing with that. And we're doing something which I hope will make cooking plant-based food in the evening much, much easier and much more delicious. So we're really excited about that. The launch in February is probably the thing that I've been most excited about since we started Delicious Ella. I think Matt's actually turning into Willy Wonka by the day. Um, it gives you a bit of a clue, but it is going to be amazing. Yeah, I cannot wait to tell you a little bit more. And a final thing is one fact that we might be surprised to learn about you. I think one thing that people are always a bit surprised is that we're actually both very introverted people. So really what we love to do is just hang out at home, hang out with our girls. We're very low key. We work a lot and that's that's kind of our life. What do you think people would be surprised to learn about you? I think the thing that always surprises people most is I've had double vision my whole life. It's the most random fact ever I found out when I was about six and um, I actually just got some new glasses a few weeks ago and feel like I can finally see again I literally feel like a new person it's a really highlight of the end of 2020 beginning of 2021 but that is that is an unusual fact about myself and so getting into this week's episode this week we're going to be talking to a really lovely friend of ours someone that we've been so fortunate to get to know since we've been doing Delicious Ciela we actually met him through our publisher Liz who publishes both our books and his book so today's guest is Gelong Tupten a friend of ours who is a Buddhist monk and a really really special person and we are honoured to welcome him to the podcast today. Hi, good to see you both. Thank you so much for coming back on. So we are so fortunate at Delicious Yella to get to meet and interview a lot of extraordinary people, but Tubton absolutely sits at the top of that list. And we first recorded with Tubton, it must have been a year, a year and a half ago now. And Tubton was the person who really inspired me to start meditating. And so I'm enormously, enormously grateful to Tubton. It's had a profound impact on my life and Tipton also does lots of the meditations on our app and so we feel very very lucky to have you today and thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you thanks for inviting me again. Yeah so when I was thinking about bringing the podcast back it was kind of December time and then I really started planning for it at the very beginning of this year in January and just as that happened in the UK, the new lockdown was announced, but I know that's been the case in lots of other European countries and different parts of America. We've had a lot of kind of quite intense news, you know, in politics as well, in places like America, and it just feels like quite an overwhelming time. And I think it's interesting, we were meant to record yesterday and we changed that. And when we got off um, the call, we were looking at the news and there's reports of a new variant of coronavirus coming out of Brazil. And it just feels like things are changing on a minute by minute basis. And the level of uncertainty and unease as a result feels higher than I know I've ever felt it in my lifetime. And I think dealing with that from a mental health perspective is undoubtedly a real challenge. And of course, there's a real sliding scale 
on how difficult it is, but I think undoubtedly it has a big impact on everyone's mind. And I've never met anyone more inspiring than yourself in terms of how you really deal with that. How do we get control of our mind when inevitably it starts to leapfrog into worst case scenarios? And that's what we really wanted to talk to you about today. Brilliant. Thank you. I I totally agree that that we are in a, a time of intense fear fear and anxiety and uh, it, it's obviously justified that there is there is a lot happening that is very scary but it's made even worse by how we process all the information isn't it we, we're all looking at the news every day and it's all death tolls and bad news and and sure that stuff is real and it's it's important we know about it but it's all day isn't it constant constant exposure to fear. And also, I think that, you know, the COVID illness, I I myself had COVID right at the beginning, back in March. And it's a very fearful illness. When you get it, you feel terrified. And I've meditated for a long time, and I I assumed I would be okay with it. But I, I found myself spiraling into anxiety and the unknowing of it all when I, when I got very ill. So meditation definitely helped me at those times, but I was also quite shocked at the levels of fear coming up in myself. I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head by identifying that emotion as fear rather than simply uncertainty. And on a kind of quite basic level, how do you, how do you begin to deal with that? The way I have been dealing with it, because it started up in me very strongly right at the beginning of the pandemic because I got very, very sick and didn't know if I would survive. And the fear levels were really intense. And the thing that worked for me was what I try and do with all difficult emotions is to use them within the meditation. So I would sit there or lie there in my bed and feel the fear in my body because it's a physical thing, isn't it? Even though it's a state of mind, you feel it physically. You feel this kind of dread in your heart or your belly. There's a physical sensation. And I think it's really much easier if you can connect with that and then just relax into that sensation without pushing it away. Because I think the thing about fear is we have fear and then we get afraid of the fear. So we've got double levels there, fear of fear. But if you're just with the fear in a very loving, compassionate, gentle way, as you would do if you were with your child or a friend who was afraid and you would sit with them and just be there, be a friend with them. So you, you can do that with your own emotions. And so I would, I would sit there and just feel the fear and try not to push it away and try to give that part of myself a lot of love and compassion. And definitely it got me through it. It definitely helped the fear to reduce. and It, it even helped my symptoms because I was struggling to breathe with the COVID. And I found that the, the more afraid I got, I felt like I was drowning. And the, the more, obviously, that's going to make you afraid. But then the fear makes your breathing even worse. So when I managed to calm down the fear of it, my breathing would come back. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. And I think, as you start to look at the world in the way it is today, that fear, I think, can often be a projection of the unknown of looking forward, whether that is the political state of the world, whether that is when will we ever be able to get back to normal post-COVID, missing friends, missing family, your health, your well-being, being concerned about that, even as far-reaching as the 
undoubtable climate crisis that we're looking at and a nervousness for our children, for the future of the planet. There's this massive rhetoric of uncertainty and in that uncertainty, a lot of fear for the future. And how do you start to, for want of a better word, control your mind and control your mindset to stop that fear from adding up and becoming quite overwhelming at times and potentially adding to the stress, the anxiety that is quite collective at the moment? Yeah, I think it's very much about learning to be in the present. Fear is very much about the future, isn't it? What might happen or what might not happen. Our mind is racing ahead and catastrophizing, quite rightly so, because the the situation we're in is, is dire. So it's not that we're just having a kind of baseless fear that we should just get over it. It is a fearful situation, but it is very much about the mind projecting into the future. And if we can train ourselves to to be present as much as possible, I think that will help us in many ways, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I think that's a moment-to-moment thing. I think even though we're in the midst of this really crazy, unknown, difficult situation, can we have moments throughout the day of being present, being in this moment? That That is meditation in every situation. I think sometimes people think meditation means you have to be sitting down on a cushion or a chair and doing a big session of meditation. And that's true. That's a good way to meditate. But there's a whole other aspect to it, which is those moment-to-moment little drop-ins. You drop into a mindful state many, many times a day where you're just present with your mind and your body. And you kind of get away from your thoughts, all the worries and fears, and you get into your body. You just feel the moment. I like to do this when I'm washing my hands, for example. I mean, we're, we're all supposed to wash our hands all the time now, so, so why not turn that into a meditation practice? As you're standing at the sink washing your hands, you can just feel the movement of the soap, the water, your hands rubbing together. That's a mindful moment, and it can calm you down. Yeah, I, I, it's so powerful hearing that. And I know from when we first spoke, and it created a a fundamental change in my life and and to introduce meditation into my life meditating first thing enables me to have those moments when I can check back in throughout the day to it if I'm feeling stressed or if I feel like something is getting out of control or my thoughts are getting out of control it feels like if I've done it in the morning and I've had a moment of peace and solitude to be able to do that I'm able to go back and just clock into that state that I was able to to feel myself in it's amazing to me how if I'm if I miss a morning routine even if I'm just able to meditate for five minutes what a difference and what an effect that has for the rest of the day and I just know now that I have to prioritize it over other things in the morning because I know that it makes me a better person and it makes me better for my family, for, for our team and, and hopefully for anyone else I, I come into contact with. Yeah, I think that's how it works. I think it's the combination of having that time in the morning where you sit down and do, do some meditation and then also having those tiny little moments throughout the day where you integrate it into your daily life. And you can start to almost test yourself a bit by doing that in stressful situations, in situations where normally you would feel wound up and impatient. You can just stand there and feel the ground under your feet for a few moments. And in one sense, this situation we're in now with the pandemic and with lockdown, in one sense, it's, it's making us afraid and it's frightening and it's limiting our lives. But 
also it can be used as a mindfulness exercise. You know, we, we have to be more mindful now. We, we have to remember to wash our hands. We have to remember to wear our mask and keep distance from each other. I and mean, even, you know, if you go, go to the, the shop and you have to queue up outside and there's all these new, it has to be done in a different way now to, for safety. And that can feel frightening and irritating, or it could be mindfulness practice. You're standing there in the queue, feeling the ground under your feet, feeling your breathing. You, you can use that time to train your mind, and then your whole view of the reality you're in changes. You start appreciating the moment rather than feeling, oh, my goodness, I can't bear it. Why is everything so difficult? It's all about how you view this moment. And I also think that the idea of protecting each other, it's also compassion, isn't it? That there's an element of we're, we're thinking more about each other in the way we behave. Keeping distance from each other and wearing masks is to protect us and also to protect others. It's a two-way thing. So even though the pandemic is a horrific thing, it has created more of an atmosphere of kindness and the need to look out for each other and the the understanding that we're all connected and what we do affects others and what others do affects us. I completely agree. It's one of my frustrations with the reporting of COVID, particularly here in the UK, is that the vast majority, I think the most recent statistics I've seen is that there's around 80 to 90% compliance with the rules, which I think is absolutely amazing. And so much is made of the small minority of people who aren't obeying the rules and obviously helping spread the virus and, and having a bad effect on others. But I think it's incredible that that vast, vast majority of people are playing by the rules, are being much more selfless, are putting others ahead of them. And I think there's so much to celebrate on that much, much more so than there is of the minority who are not following along. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, when we, when we all come out of this, what benefits it will have had on our states of mind. We, we'll have been through this experience as, as a, a human race together. And I think we've all got a different perspective now. We, we'll all come out of this with a, a greater appreciation of life and of our health I totally agree. I think it's really created a complete collective responsibility. And I think that there's so much to be proud of as human beings for the way that vast, vast majorities, as I say, of us have huddled together and done the right thing for one another. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it shows that people have naturally good, compassionate minds. So much more so than I think sometimes it likes to be portrayed as well. Well, that's that's the thing with, with news is that news tends to focus on the bad stuff. It's got this kind of effect where the news that's been reported to us has to be shocking, it has to be worrying, it has to be about what's going wrong. And it grabs it's us. It's that it, saying, it, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's the saying of a, of a plane landing safely doesn't make the news. <laughs> and it's, it's so true. And I think that if a business model is, is predicated upon trying to get as much, much engagement as you possibly can and trying to sensationalize things, then of course it's, it plays into those hands easily. But I think that there is so much to celebrate around the way that, as I say, the vast majority of people have responded to this. Yeah. It's really nice just to take a second to kind of appreciate that because it's so easy to get swept up in those 24 hour news cycles and, and forget the good things. But there are two questions I had tipped in on things that you were saying um, in the last few minutes. And the first is something which I know I'm guilty of, and I think so many of us are, which is a slight when I culture. And there was something you said 
back then about when we go back to normal. First of all, we, we, you know, I think we're all kind of agreed on the sense that we don't know what normal will be, when it will be. And one question I had is, how do you stop living with this when we or when I? And again, projecting yourself into the future, especially a future that we don't know when it starts and what it will look like. So not appreciating the days as they are. I was thinking that last night when I was lying in bed, you know, these are some of the best days for us on a personal level that we'll ever have in our life. We have our two little girls who are more than we could ever dream of. And I don't want to be wishing this time away because there's so much beauty in that. Watching Sky learn to talk at the moment. We all just sat down and had lunch together before we got on to record with you. That is such special time. I don't want to just be seeing this time as negative. And I think so many of us are having those experiences in amongst the nervousness and the fear. And how do we get more appreciation from that rather than solely looking at when we get back to what we want. And then my second question was, is there a checklist that you go through, as you said, when you're standing in that supermarket queue or when you are feeling a bit frustrated, a bit wound up, say when you're watching the news and you're nervous of the stats that are being reported, is there a checklist that you go through, feel the ground under my feet, feel this, feel that? Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? That when we get back to you know what's so-called we call normal what does that mean it probably means we're all going to get busy again and we're going to be running around like we used to really busy all day and will we look back on this time and think yeah okay it was it was a global pandemic and a lot of people died and suffered and it was terrible but also we had more time with our families and we even if we weren't with them we called them on Zoom every day, or it brought us together and we had really special times alone with ourselves or alone with our families and reading more books or learning stuff. I mean, there's been so much good that's come out of it in that sense, hasn't it? And can we appreciate that? And again, I think it's all about being in the moment. I think it's about this is where we are now. This One day is like a whole lifetime. We wake up in the morning, it's like being born. And this is a new day. And today, this is who we are and where we are in this moment. And I think you can train in that. As I mentioned before, these tiny moments of mindful awareness, I think it's really good to meditate every day. Like Matt was saying, it's good to get up in the morning and do your meditation, like five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But then these mini moments that you practice standing in a queue or being stuck in traffic or sitting behind your desk or wherever you are, these tiny moments they train you to be present. They they are counteracting our mind's habit of constantly racing into the future or hanging on to the past. And you mentioned uh, the checklist. I mean, what do you do? I I think it's all about focusing on the physical because you're kind of getting out of your thoughts and into your body. So you're feeling the ground under your feet and it can just be for a a few seconds and you can use any physical sensation or you can be looking at the trees or the flowers in the garden or the park. You can use a visual sense or you can hear the sounds around you. It's about just opening to your senses and being with them without getting so caught up in your thinking mind. Absolutely. I'm sure that's particularly true for people who spend a lot of time on computers as well as just taking one second to breathe and check in with what's around you. There's something you said there, which I just wanted to pick up on as well, because I think there's a almost quite funny irony to it, which is that pre-pandemic, so much of what we talked about 
on the podcast, even if it wasn't the aim of the episode, ended up coming back to was how busy we all were and how stressed we were as a result. And now we are finding ourselves often less busy simply because we're not commuting often. We find our evenings a little bit more empty because there's nowhere to go, etc. There's almost something in this, which I feel like is worth noting and important to pick up on. It's almost as though we can't have it any which way that we like it and we can't appreciate what we have because when we're busy, we want to be less busy. And now that we're less busy, we want to be more busy. That's so true, isn't it? It's so true. And I think this lockdown situation has really shown us something about our quest for happiness. And this is uh, one of my favorite topics is, is, is to think about what, what does happiness mean and what do we do in our lives to get happiness? And is that working? And could we instead look within? And, you know, when we were busy running around, we were all, always chasing something and that constant search for happiness from the things around us. It's a very understandable way to live. You know, we, we, we are often in situations or with people who, who make us happy and that's wonderful. But if we don't also learn how to find it within ourselves, then we're completely at the mercy of our environment and we're completely at the mercy of this constant need for searching for more. And of course, that's how consumer culture operates, isn't it? We're constantly made to want more. And I think it's one of the reasons why we find lockdown so horrific is because all the things that we normally use for our happiness have been taken away from us. And the government are saying, you can't go out, you can't go to the restaurant or the pub or this or that. And so if we feel that all the things that we relied on to make us happy have been taken away from us. And now what are we left with? So I think this is an incredibly fruitful time to discover that happiness is within your mind. It's not outside, it's a state of mind, and you can cultivate that through meditation. So it's almost like we've been thrown in the corner with all the building blocks taken away, and now we have to find it for ourselves. So Tipton, I found what you just said about the building blocks and about them all being taken away and about those external sources of validation incredibly poignant and incredibly powerful, and I could not agree with you more. And I think it's a very brilliant way of looking at what I think is a fundamental problem for for so many people today. And when you are looking at that sort of quest for happiness, which I think is something that people do look for on a minute by minute basis, of course, it's such a fundamental part of human existence. How do you start to look at that? So the building blocks have been taken away. We can't find solace anymore in uh, a coffee break with our colleagues. We're only seeing them on Zoom. We can't find even that joy of the conversation you have with the barista in your local coffee shop on your way to work, for example, or knowing that you can get through the week because you've got dinner with your girlfriend on a Friday night, those sorts of things that we so look forward to and that punctuate our week and that give us that joy. Now that we don't have that, we just have ourselves how do we find inner contentment? What what are the questions that we should be asking ourselves? What are the minute by minute thinking patterns that we need in order just to be okay with who we are? I think you've nailed it by saying what, what are the questions we need to ask ourselves? I think that's the approach is to ask ourselves some very fundamental questions. It is to ask ourselves, where do we think happiness really comes from? I mean, as you mentioned, we, we, we're all caught up in thinking it comes from 
the world around us. And to a certain extent, it does. Of course, having a nice situation, going somewhere nice, being with people, these things make us happy, but they don't last. They're, they're moments of happiness that come and go. And the problem we find ourselves in is that we are constantly searching, seeking, wanting happiness. And that makes us search more because searching leads to more searching. It's a, it's a habit and every habit in our mind creates more of itself. So the, the reason we don't actually find stable, lasting, total happiness is because we're always hunting for it. So I think it's about analyzing that and reflecting on that and thinking, well, what really is happiness? Isn't happiness a state of mind? Because you can, you can reflect on this and think, okay, supposing I had a really good time and got everything I wanted, something wonderful happens in my life, and then I'm really happy. What is happening to me in that moment is my mind feels calm, satisfied, joyful, even excited. I feel good in that moment. Well, that's a state of mind. And the whole point of meditation is that you can cultivate that state of mind. You can go straight to the state of mind without needing all the building blocks that got you there. So lockdown means all the building blocks have been taken away. So we are thrown into ourselves to find it within. And I do think happiness is within. And I think meditation helps you access that. Because when you're standing there in a queue and you're feeling the ground under your feet and you're aware of your breathing, you're completely letting go of all those thoughts of, oh, I hate being in this queue and I wish this would hurry up and I can't stand it. All of those have gone. You're just in the moment, feeling calm in your body, in your mind. That That is happiness. And you're cultivating those moments of happiness throughout the day. And you're starting to develop a positive outlook. So you can start to see even a difficult situation in a positive light. So instead of thinking, oh, I'm in lockdown, I'm locked up, I'm locked away, I'm not allowed to do this, you can think, well, actually, just by sitting on my sofa, I'm saving lives. I'm doing a good thing by staying still. I mean, that's an incredible thing to be able to do, just to sit still and not go out, you're saving lives. How incredible, how amazing. We, we could appreciate that and think, yeah, I'm doing a good thing. And I don't need to go to the coffee shop. I can go to the coffee shop next year or whenever this thing is over. But right now, I, I can do something inside my mind that will give me a very strong foundation of happiness that maybe I didn't know before. Totally. I think it's the ultimate example of the fact that really this year has shown more than anything that we, we don't have control of our lives to such a great extent. What we have control of is our mind and our interpretation of life as it is today. And I think that's such an important thing for us all to remember. I couldn't agree more. So for anyone who's listening to this and says, wow, I've got to get some meditation into my life. What are your absolute top tips for starting and the absolute basics of, of meditation? I think it's important to start very gently. You know, when people want to learn meditation, they sometimes it's almost like they crash and burn because they try and do it too much and then they find it really difficult. They think, oh, well, I have to sit and do half an hour or an hour, otherwise it's not worth it. And then they try and do that and they find it so difficult they never want to do it again. So actually I often start people off with five-minute sessions. Now the sessions I recorded for your app 
are really short, you know, five, 10 minutes. And that's actually really fruitful because you're going to do that every day if it's only five or 10 minutes. And do you find that doing it at a set time each day helps people? For some people, yes. For some people, it's really important for them to have a time every day where they switch everything off and they go and do their meditation. You know, they might do it first thing in the morning and that's the thing they always, always do before they get on with the day. For other people, that becomes counterproductive because they feel stressed that they have missed their slot. You know, they had a 8 a.m. slot and they missed it and then they think they messed up their schedule. So I, I would say if that's if that's happening to you, just just make sure you do it at some point every day. It doesn't have to be the same time each day. But sure, if you have a choice, then I, I would say morning is good. And I would say doing short sessions to start with is good. And the main tip that I have is it's really, really important to get it very clear in your mind that when you're going to meditate, you're not going to sit there trying to blank out your thoughts or clear your mind you're not that's not what it is and that's where many people struggle they think meditation is about clearing the mind and going blank and then they sit there and try and do it and then there's loads of thoughts and then they feel like they failed and it's too difficult that's a kind of downward spiral that lots of people get caught up in so actually it's not about clearing the mind at all but it is about focusing the mind which is why the techniques often have a focus like your breathing or your body. Uh, I think on the app, we've got body scans, breathing, looking at the sky, lots of different techniques. But the whole point is that you're focused on something. And then when thoughts come along and your mind wanders, you have something to come back to. You bring yourself back to the focus. And that's the training that helps you to be less controlled by your thoughts. So Tubton, as always, we just absolutely love hearing everything that you have to say and i know that we are incredibly inspired by it can we possibly end this episode with maybe just three to five minutes of a guided meditation sure that would be great okay fantastic so you can do this sitting in a chair you don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor if you don't want to so it's good to sit in quite a balanced posture when I say balanced, I mean you're, you're kind of sitting up nice and straight, but you're comfortable. So if you need to place a little cushion behind the base of your spine, that's okay. But the main thing is you're sitting up straight and your feet are planted flat on the floor, parallel, and your hands can be resting in your lap or with your palms down on the tops of your knees or the tops of your thighs. So you are sitting in, in quite a kind of balanced, good posture. So just take a moment to get into that and feel that and be present with that. Feel the contact between your body and the chair. Feel the chair under you. You can feel it through your body. Don't try to clear your mind of thoughts. Instead, just keep bringing your attention to your body. Take your focus to your feet. Feel the ground under your feet. Whether you're wearing shoes or not, it doesn't matter. You can just feel that your feet are touching the floor. Feel that. Shift your attention to your hands. 
Feel your hands resting on your knees or your legs. Explore the sensation of the texture of your clothing under your skin. The skin of your hands is touching the clothing you're wearing on your legs. Just notice that contact. Now shift focus to your shoulders. Maybe your shoulders are tight or tense. That's okay. One key component of meditation is just to be with the moment without judging or analyzing or trying to change it. Just let your shoulders be however they are, but feel them. Feel your shoulders. Feel the clothing clinging to your shoulders. Now bring your focus to your breathing. Just breathe naturally. Don't try to make your breath deeper or slower. Just let it be however it is. But feel the breathing in your body. With each in-breath and out-breath, there's a kind of rising and falling of the chest or the belly. Get into that sensation. Feel that sensation. Let your attention Relax into that sensation of breathing. When your mind drifts away, gets busy with thoughts or feels sleepy, just refresh yourself by bringing your attention back to the breathing. Now to complete the session, the last moment is a moment of kindness and compassion. Just take a moment to cultivate the wish. May I be happy. May others be happy. May I be free from pain and suffering. May others be free from pain and suffering. May everybody find happiness. So you're dedicating your meditation session to that aim. Take a moment just to wish that for everybody. And stop there. There you go. Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It always 
blows my mind how such a short period of time can have such a powerful effect. Five minutes can change 24 hours. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? And we always think, oh, but surely you need to do more. Sure, yeah, if you can do more, do more. But don't feel that just a short session is wasted. It can really, really transform your day. As I say, it's just, it's doing that and being able to clock back into it just for five or 10 seconds maybe every couple of hours, whenever you're thinking about it, whenever your mind starts racing, I just feel like it's so empowering. It makes you you believe in yourself in many ways. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And as Tipton said, he's got some beautiful meditations on our app. So if you enjoyed that, really recommend trying some of those. The body scan is the one I do a lot. It's just, for me, it's the perfect check-in. And if anyone is looking for a new book for lockdown evenings, then Tipton's book, a monk's guide to happiness is really it's a must read yeah it really really is there's just some very powerful pieces in there i think for everything that we spoke about today about rethinking our mindset and appreciation and presence and otherwise really hope you enjoyed this episode please do share it with anyone you think would benefit from it and we will be back here next week next week we're talking to a brilliant irish doctor called dr alan desmond about the revolutionary impact he's seen as an NHS doctor on the power of a plant-based diet. So we will be here next Tuesday and so looking forward to catching up with you then. Any questions you have for us, anything you'd like to hear, please do get in touch. We love hearing from you. Podcast at deliciousyellow.com. Otherwise, have a lovely day. Find that moment of mindfulness and presence. And thank you so much, Tipton. Thank you. Thank you.